have our meal today at the house. But um, so Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father, always. And what you have to understand is the foundation of that relationship was love. The foundation of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, their foundation is love. Amen. Their character is love. God said, God is love. And so he makes that declaration saying the foundation of the ability of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to always dwell in perfect unity is love. And that's why love is the greatest. When he said faith, hope, and love abide, these three, the greatest of these is love because love is what's the foundation of his character. And so that's what is going to happen in our lives. And what happens is, you know, uh, Lynn was talking about childlikeness. And God wants us to be childlike in our, in our faith. That's it. We're coming as children. Here's the problem. There are two types of children. There are legitimate children and illegitimate children. There are legitimate genetic children and there are orphans. And what happens is when we get saved, we have the Spirit's awareness that we're, being, we're given the power to become sons and daughters. You see, you become you, when, when the Holy Spirit enters you the very first time and you know that Jesus is your Lord, you now have the power to become a son. But that does not mean that you realize that you're a son. And so what the enemy does is he can't stop you from being saved because that's God's sovereign work. But he tries to stop you from becoming a son or a daughter in the love of God. And so his agenda then doesn't become, he knows he can't get you to go to hell because if yes. you're bought in blood by the bought by the blood of Jesus, that's sealed, that's a done deal. However, he can try to destroy your life repeatedly because you continue in an orphan mentality. Right. And I'm guilty of that. And even when I've thought that I'm not operating as an orphan, <clears throat> I've operated as an orphan. I'm striving for daddy's love. I'm striving for daddy's approval. I'm trying so hard. And what Bill, you said, was a learn and do relationship. It's like I would learn these things in the Bible, and then I would try in all my best efforts to do it, and I would fall short and fail. And then I'm not picking myself up because I'm like, man, look, I'm just a failure. So as long as I fell once, I might as well just give up on this week, try it again next week. And that's how the enemy wants to keep the body down. He wants to keep Jesus' body unhealthy, unwell. But here's what happened to Christ. Perfect relationship, perfect love with the Father. At Jesus coming out into the ministry, at that moment, 30 years old, He steps into a baptism of what? Water. John the Baptist. So He says to him, the one who comes after me, I'm not, un- I'm not even worthy to untie his- the straps of his sandals. Jesus rolls up to the edge of the Jordan and says, baptize me. And John's like, not me, Lord. You know, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. Jesus said, this must be done to fulfill all that was written. And so the baptism of water was Jesus accepting his responsibility as Messiah. Yes. He had to fulfill the law and say, yes, I am Messiah. So he gets baptized in water, but immediately comes out of the water. What descends on him is what you saw this morning over, over him. This Holy Spirit tangibly descends in that moment. Tangibly lands on Jesus, and the Bible says remains. It's very important you see that. So Jesus wasn't able to be Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do all that He did. And He knew that. 
And so when the Holy Spirit descended on him, but that didn't, that wasn't it. And that's where most believers, as most of us have stopped, that's where I kind of stopped, is like, I've been baptized in water. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So now I have these gifts that operate in these manifestations. But that's not where the Father stopped with Jesus. He baptized him in love right after that. He said, this is my son. This is my son. You know, Jesus went through his entire earthly ministry all the way through the cross without an ounce of doubt that he was 100% his father's son and that his father was good. 100%. And so it happened in him, it happened that baptism in water, baptism in spirit, baptism in love. And then... Jesus didn't do anything that he didn't see his father doing. So what was Jesus doing? Was he pursuing the stuff to do? He was pursuing his father. For three and a half years, he pursued his father. He pursued the relationship. Why does the Bible continuously tell you in the Gospels? He, he withdrew to a desolate place to pray. He tried to withdraw to a desolate place to pray, but the love of God was so great that even the crowds come right into his prayer closet. And there's Jesus like, all right, let's heal them all. The Father loves them all, let's heal them all. But they've been with you three days, Jesus, and nobody's had a bite to eat because the love of God was their sustenance and was their nourishment. He says, I don't want to send them away hungry. So I'm just, what do we have? Let's feed them. Why? Because it's love. Do you realize that was born out of his desire to go on a retreat? Much of what Jesus ended up doing was because he wanted to be after his father. He's like, Father, when you and I are alone on this mountain, Father, when you and I are alone on the sea, Father, when you and I are alone by the shore, that's where his heart was, to be with the Father. He was pursuing the Father, pursuing his Father. And out of the pursuit of his Father came the miracles and tidal wave of love from the Father. And also came the conviction to all of the religious people because they hated love. They didn't want the display of love. They wanted the display of knowledge. Yes. Do you understand? The Pharisees hated Jesus because He kept healing people on the Sabbath day. Why? Because God doesn't care what day it is. He loves you. Yes. Do you understand that? His love isn't relegated. It's a point He's making. He's like, I don't love you six days and I'm going to go take a break on number seven. It's love never fails. Love never fails. It's a Sabbath day. I love you. Your hand's made whole. I love you. You can walk. I love you. You can see. I love you. You don't have leprosy anymore. That's Jesus' love. It never ends. It never fails. And that's the love of the Father. So his pursuit wasn't... In fact, remember his brothers came to him? They're like, hey, you really want to be a prophet? You really want to be known? You come up to Jerusalem with us and make yourself known at the feast, which was Hanukkah which is the Feast of Lights. And so that's what, the, that's what his brother said. You know what Jesus said? He said, you guys go up. I'm good. He didn't seek notoriety. He wasn't right. seeking an agenda like to go, and I'm going to go be the miracle man. You know, that wasn't his agenda. His agenda was, hey, Father and I are here and we're good. <laughs> so have fun, guys. Yeah. Well, they leave and then the Father's like, Jesus, go up to the feast. Because what happens? As soon as they left, it says, Jesus then gathered his things and left and went to the fe- feast. What ended up happening? He goes by the pool of Bethsaida. And at the pool of Bethsaida, he sees a man who's been lame for 38 years, laying there beside the pool. And he says, do you want to be made well? Yes. Why? Because the Father loved that guy and told Jesus, go. And then Jesus, t- what did he tell the guy? Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Like all the time. Don't tell anyone. Just don't tell anybody. Why? 
Because it wasn't about that. It wasn't even about, like, I don't care if anyone... In fact, when the man got healed of leprosy, you know what he told him? Go show yourself to the priests as evidence of what Moses told you to do so that the word would be fulfilled. Why? Because Jesus was the word. When they went to the Moses in that day and got healed, you know what was happening? Jesus was speaking healing over them in the temple, back in the tabernacle. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Father. It's the same Holy Spirit. So it wasn't the ritual that healed them. It was the breath of God over their lives, but they were being obedient to what He had said. And so I share all of that because this baptism of love for Jesus happened so fast because of His perfection. But it doesn't happen that fast for all of us. It doesn't happen that fast for probably any of us. And so where God wants to take his bride in the last days and in every day is right into his love. How about a bunch of people who don't care anymore about how many come or, or how many are around or how many things they can accomplish for God, but you just have a whole bunch of people who just care about the Father's heart through Jesus Christ. And that's it. Because you know what? He said, seek first the kingdom and my righteousness and everything is added to you. You want a tidal wave of God's movement in planet earth? It just takes people committed to pursue the Father. Pursue Him. Pursue Him. Let Him pursue you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Break and shatter every box you have. Break and shatter every bondage the enemy's created. Break and shatter every orphan mentality you have thinking you've yes. got to work for the love of Jesus yes. Christ. Let me tell you something. His love is so perfect. It is poured out of heaven and it never stops pouring. You know what? We're the ones, like Don said, we're the ones with the umbrellas that stick it up so that the love... It doesn't stop. You're just standing in a puddle of it then. And you're not acknowledging because it's not running down off of your head and into your heart. It's simply just on the ground around you. His love never, ever, ever stops. And you don't have to do anything for it. That's grace. His grace is like, doesn't matter. You are my son. And the devil wants you to think that you're only his son when you perform in accordance with all that you think you should do for him. Because you want to know something? Your best ability to perform falls short of the glory of God. My best fast that I've ever been on, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing any preacher could ever say, but I love it. The best fast I've ever been on has had selfish intention somewhere rooted in it. I, I promise you. Why? Because I'm selfishly seeking something in, a, in a, the thought, even if it's for a moment, even if it's for a moment that I think in my head, oh, the Lord's going to be so happy that I'm fasting. <laughs> Even if it's a one thought, yes. I have failed to be perfect in the ability to just seek Him. Amen. You know what? He still pours out on me. He still yes. says, Amen. it doesn't matter. I know. Amen. I see your heart. I want to be yes. one with you. Amen. Right? That's the love of Jesus. It's not because Hallelujah. we perform well. And that's the danger that we can fall into. So look at 1 Corinthians 14. Because last week we finished with 13. In the last verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says, Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And here's what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you this morning about Him, His power, His role in your life. Pursue love. Pursue love. You know what that word means in the Greek? Hunt with the expectation that you will find and acquire what it is you're hunting for. What is that? That's hope. You're not pursuing something that you might gain. 
See, that's how the Holy Spirit is so different. He's not saying, your hope isn't maybe. Your hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. You're going to find what you're looking for. But you have a free will. Everyone in this room has a free will, and he will not violate himself. So for him to violate himself would be to say, you don't have to pursue love. Don't worry about it. Just chill. Remain just however you want to be. I'm just going to do everything for you. That's not a relationship. You're then just a pawn. You have a role and a responsibility. It's your decision whether you want to pursue love or not. It's my decision whether I want to pursue love or not. The truth was, as I was failing and failing and failing and seeing my failure, God wasn't loving me less. God wasn't condemning me. He wasn't coming to me and be like, wake up in the morning and be like shaking me in bed saying, man, you're a terrible dad. Why don't you get it together today and be nicer and be kinder and be sweeter and, and, and look to me, you know? That's not what he did. He came with this plate baked, you know, Don says, a, a plate of fresh cookies of mercies, you know, that I had to eat. And he's like, here's some mercies that are new and fresh this morning. Partake. Enjoy. My son, I'm your dad. I love you. So that's how he draws us into that relationship. But then he says, now you do have a right, a responsibility, Justin, and a choice. Do you want to come the way of love? Or are you satisfied with this thing you're creating over here? And I said to him, I'm not satisfied with Justin's best. Because Justin's best is terrible. I need you to declare to me the love that you have. Like, I want to be so filled with love that, that in the midst of the worst circumstance I could find myself, that I'm at total contentment and peace that I know that my Father in heaven has it all under control. And I don't react the way Michelle said. I don't get excited. I don't overreact. I don't, because it's in our reactions that you see what's in your heart. It's not in your actions. Anybody can fake it. Anybody can come to a church service and make it at least for an hour and a half and be halfway decent. But how about God lets the flames get turned up just a little bit and then you start to see who you are. He already knows that, who you are, but you get to see it. So never think that your actions like, well, I did this that was good last week. Well, whoop-de-doo. How about when, the, when all the pressure came down on you, how did you, how did you respond? Because you know, then you'll know. And then in that response, God's not saying, bad, you're bad, you responded wrong. You know what he's saying? He's like, do you want my love? Yes. Do you want my grace? Do you want my mercy? Like with excitement. It's not like he's standing back like, oh, you're a mess. It's like he stands over us. Like, do, do you want it? Like, I have, I have it all. I have everything you want. Do you want it? Just tell me. I'm your dad. I'm here with you. I, I, will, I will pour out. I will declare to you the very things that I have, that I have given you from the foundation of the world. Are you, do you want it? And when you start to see that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, it's like God is coming over the top of sin like, hey, 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 look, look, I'm right here. I'll pour it out. You ready? You want some? But that's our choice. And my answer is yes. My answer is yes. And now that I have that, that revelation that God's given me about love, I feel like I now have access to something that I didn't, didn't know I had access to before. So what I want to share with you this morning is you have access to all the divine nature of Jesus. Ask for it. Ask for it in the middle of the worst moment of your life. Ask for it. The worst anxiety, the worst stress, whatever happens, ask for it. Because what did he say? He said, ask, seek, and knock. That means keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. 
and the door will be open to you. It's a confident expectation of the good that God has for you. So we can't get weighed down and laid down by the, by the, the time frame that it takes. But he says, pursue this love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he didn't just stop saying pursue love. He said earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Do you know that, that word from the Holy Spirit is to every single believer? It's not relegated to somebody and it's somebody time. It's the Holy Spirit saying to you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Why? Because through the spiritual gifts, the love of Jesus will be poured out on the world. Amen. And he says, especially that you may prophesy. Why? For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Johnny, exactly what you said. You're speaking in tongues, you and the Lord are communicating. He's dropping things in your spirit and they're coming out of your mouth. And they're the works and the mighty works of God. Sometimes they're the works of the earth that He's, de- he's delivering and these messages that He wants you to be familiar with. That's why He says this. But for no one understands them, but He utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies, what is to prophesy? Prophesying is this. It's taking what the Lord has given you in accordance with His Word and His Spirit and declaring it in a right now time to the person who's receiving it. It is not Scripture, but it can be Scripture. My point is, when somebody prophesies to you, it has to line up with the Word of God and the principles of Jesus Christ. However, it does not have to be John 7, 23 to be prophesied to you. It can be a word, a right now word from the Lord into your situation that is in full accordance with His Word. That's prophesying. That's right. And why would you do that? Because God needs you to have right now words to defeat the enemy who's trying to give you right now words. Amen. Do you not think the enemy's been prophesying to you? Yes. Absolutely. That's what the father of lies. He said when he speaks lies, he speaks out of his character and he prophesies lies over the body of Christ all the time. Yes. And so if there's, a body of, if there's a portion of the body of Christ who's getting prophesied lies over continuously by the devil who says, don't prophesy to one another of the Word of God, don't you think that part of the body of Christ is going to be kind of sick? Because they don't have the ability to stand up in a right now time and say, I'm going to wage war with what the Lord said to me yesterday through Brother Dave, through Brother Bill, through Brother Sam, because it was in keeping with the Word of God, and I know that it was the Lord's Word to me right now. So enemy, you're wrong. Get behind me, because I will preach the gospel. I will heal the sick. I will cast out demons. Why? Because the Lord spoke that over me. You have a weapon. That's why... Why did the Holy Spirit through Paul tell Timothy to wage warfare with the prophecies that were prophesied over him if God didn't want us to keep doing that? Timothy didn't have the canon, guys. He didn't have it. What did he have? He had the Apostle Paul come up on him and lay hands on him and say, you will prophesy, you will preach, you will teach, you will manifest in this place in Ephesus and you will create one of the greatest churches in the early church. And Timothy was a young man and he wrote a letter to Paul saying, I don't know, man, these guys are... These guys are tough. I'm young. Paul writes him back, and you have it in your scriptures that says, you don't let them tell them tell you you're young. You have the Spirit of the living God upon you. Now go and wage warfare with the gifts that you receive through the laying on of our hands, and don't forget that you are God's Son. Why, did, why do you think Paul said it? He wrote it in Timothy. He said, perfect love, you know? Perfect love. Peter. So, 1 Corinthians 14, with this, this idea of this tongues and this prophesying, he says, For the one who prophesies speaks to people. Why? 
If somebody prophesies to you and it doesn't keep with 1 Corinthians 14, throw it out with the trash and ignore it. Because it says right here that if you prophesize, you speak to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. When a prophet, quote unquote, comes to you to prophesy anything other than for the upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation, throw it out. Because he's not living under grace. She's not living under grace. Whoever it is, it's not living under grace. Why? Because Jesus said His responsibility was the conviction of sin. His responsibility is not the condemnation over you. His, His responsibility is the conviction of you to build you up. And here's the thing. Sometimes somebody will prophesy something to you and it's going to offend you just a little bit. Because Jesus said, blessed is he who's not offended by me. You have to be able to be addressed with offense to see how you respond to offense so that you know whether or not you're going to be blessed or cursed. So Jesus will allow people to speak a word to you that's fully in keeping with the word, but because you're living in sin or you're having something that you're dealing with on the inside, you don't like the word because it'll kind of... What do you mean? Like, If you're a wife, maybe somebody will prophesy to you and say, you know, I just see the Lord is blessing you and you're going to be submissive to your husband. And as soon as that word comes out of that person's mouth, you're like, what are you trying to say? I'm not submissive? I am submissive. You know, and then that whole mindset comes because the Lord's not trying to break you down. The Lord's just highlighting something that's like, maybe you need to pay attention to your submissiveness in your, in your, in your marriage. Or to a man, I'm a, you receive a prophecy that says you're going to love and you're going to pour out with respect upon your wife and you're going to love her in these ways. And it, all of a sudden you hear that word and you just start to get this thing inside you. It's like, are you saying I don't love? And that's the Holy Spirit saying to you, hey, you got a broken spot, so you need to fix it, okay? So, again, it's not that every prophecy is going to come to you and is going to make you feel like a bed of roses and everything is just wonderful, because that's not how Jesus spoke to anybody. He spoke, didn't mince words, right? He said it, and now you have opportunity to be adjust, adjusting to it. But it will encourage you, it will build you up, and it will console you. So no matter what, when somebody prophesies over you, the end result is that you will know that Jesus is making restoration of whatever it is that's being spoken over. It's consoling. It's, it's bringing you to a place of conclusion. Do you understand that? It's not, prophecy isn't for the intention of making you confused about who God is. So if that happens, throw that one out too. Because he is not a God of confusion. And I've seen that happen. I've seen people, quote unquote, prophesy, and then the person they prophesied over walks up to me, and they're like, had this look on their face like, what? You know, and it's just like, just toss it out. Because if it was from the Lord, he can say it again another way that will help be, be able to understand and be able to be in your heart. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what's going on here. And he says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Some of the church body uses this scripture to say that they're trying to be, like, elevate themselves. But this word actually means you actually edify yourself. One of the reasons you pray in tongues in your prayer closet is because as you utter the mysteries of God through the communication of the Holy Spirit, it's reviving your soul. It's, it's building you up. In fact, if you take two minutes a day, and people have done this, stand before the Lord and just pray in tongues. Just go for it for two minutes. You will physically be more energetic and revived throughout the entire day. Right? I I got some testifiers to that. I'm telling you. And the enemy don't want you to do it. He wants you to feel like, 
you don't need to do that. You're going to feel, you're weird. Don't stand up and do that because you're by yourself, you know. I told Jordan I drive sometimes to do my devotions. I'm in my pickup truck. She's, and she asked me one day, she's like, what do you got, why do you go in your pickup truck? And I was like, there's just a liberty to pray as loud as I want to pray when I'm in my pickup truck. Like, not that she would mind, but it's just to get into a quiet place where I can just be like, I'm going to go for it, Lord. Like, it's just on, you know. And so whoever gets that truck after me is just going to be walking into the presence of God, you know. May it be said of all our vehicles, right? We just trade vehicles in, you know. We'll just be delivering the Holy Spirit to people. <laughs> all right, don't make a doctor out of that. Okay. It's true, though. Amen. Amen. Aroma of those who are going to be saved. And it says, but the one who prophesies, he builds up the church. So when you speak in tongues, you're building up your inner spirit with the Lord. When you prophesy, you build up the church. Like when I spoke that word over you about sharing Jesus at work, and then you come back and you're like, man, the Lord opened up opportunities for me to share Jesus. Well, He only prophesied that so that you would have a heightened awareness at work. Yeah. Don't miss the opportunities. You see, so that's, that's how the Lord works in it. And then, um, He says this, verse 5, I want you all to speak in tongues. When people have come to me and they want to speak in tongues, but they're not sure if they should speak in tongues, you know, that whole thing. Let me just say this. I feel this from the very beginning of worship, that the Lord wants us, wants us to know this. Pursuing love and operating in the Holy Spirit by faith will never be wrong. Operating in the gifts of the Spirit for your own agenda can be wrong. And the reason I say that is because much of the body is afraid of God being mad at them for messing up. But that's not how God is that's not how God operates. God operates that you do it by faith. And so it's not whether you do it well or do it poorly, because honestly, the the best of well is still poor before an almighty holy God. Isn't that the truth? I mean, we prophesy in part. We do all these things in part. And so no matter who's the best prophesier, whatever you want to call it, they're still falling short so that God is making up the gap. He's making up the difference to say, so God doesn't get mad with people who exercise faith even when they mess it up. Even if you prophesied something to somebody that was totally not true, but you did it by faith, hoping and and believing that you were doing what God wanted you to do, He's pleased with that. And He'll take what was totally untrue and turn it around and make it right and do a great work with it. That's how good He is. But if you start pursuing gifts for your own agenda, then yes, you can fall into a position of doing something wrong before God. So he's looking, what does he say? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So that's what it's all about, the purity of the heart. Okay, And so I just believe the Lord wanted us to understand that, because he says this to every believer, I want you all to speak in tongues. Why? He wants you to have a tool to fight the enemy at all times, at any place, in any time, anywhere that you're awake. That's what he wants. He wants you to speak in tongues because guess what? He doesn't want you to be anemic. He doesn't want parts of his body to not be able to feed on the mysteries of God. And when you speak in tongues, that's what you're doing. You're feeding your spirit on the mysteries of God. So he wants you all to speak in tongues, but he says this, even more to prophesy. So I want everybody to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Do you know what that means? He wants everyone to prophesy. So when somebody comes in a room in the body of Christ and says... You need to stop people from prophesying. You got to be really careful. Because he just said in his word, 
I would rather that you all speak in tongues, but even more so that you all would prophesy. And that's not changed, by the way, because when Moses gave the 70 elders portion of his spirit up on the mountain, and two of the guys, Eldad and Bedad, were back in the camp, and when the spirit was poured out on these 70, and they began to prophesy before the Lord, Eldad and Medad were back in the camp prophesying. Yes. And they came up to Moses, like, there's two guys in the camp prophesying, should we shut them down? Moses is like, no, the Lord's heart is that would all of the nation of Israel be prophesying before the Lord. What? See, here's the deal. Most preaching pastors, bodies, elders, groups, leaders that are in charge kind of thing, they don't like the Holy Spirit to be in control. Because they really have to trust that He knows what He's doing when everybody starts prophesying. That's not easy to control. Like, now you're like, oh no, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, what if somebody says something wrong? Well, the Holy Spirit's not in heaven wringing His hands going... I don't know what to do if, if Bill speaks a false prophecy today. What am I going to do? Like, he's God. He's awesome. And he's like, I want you all to prophesy. We'll build each other out. You know what prophesying is really about? Why, why? It's not just the upbuilding of the church. The foundation is love. The foundation of our relationship is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Jesus' foundation for all of his teaching was he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the Shema. That's the same as what was given in the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Gentile. Hear, O person. The Lord our God is one. The prophesying that you will do in your life is not just to build up the church. It's that you would learn to listen to what the Lord is telling you. So getting it wrong is increasing your ability to hear. Amen? Amen? So correction's a good thing too. So if you give a word that's not, maybe not 100% on, on point, somebody coming to you be like, hey brother, I see you are moving in faith today. Bless you in that. Um, just think about this scripture right. next time you, you give a word to somebody. And then it's like, oh yeah, I got part of it right, Lord. Thank you, you know. And <laughs> yeah. Next time, help me get more of it right. You know, that's the, that's the relationship God has with us in this. It's not... Terrible. Don't ever do it again. You're shut down. You said half of it wrong. No. He's like, let's do it again. Let's do it. How how many dads sit with their son and toss them a ball so that they can learn how to swing and hit it? And when they miss it the first time, they're like, you're done. We're done. You're never playing baseball. Back it up. We're going in. If they are, that's a terrible dad. A dad who wants his son to hit the ball sits before him and gives it a little toss and realizes, you know what? My son doesn't really have the hand-eye coordination for the ball moving through the air. So the father steps up and makes a T out of his hand. says, hit it, son. And even if you hit my hand, I'm going to do it again. Amen. You see, that's, that's a good father, and our father's far better than that. He's teeing it up for you all the time. He's teeing you up, Dave. He's saying, go ahead, son. Take a swing. Michelle, take a swing. That's, what he, that's our father. He, wants, he loves us so much. He's just saying, take a swing. You can't hurt my hand. That's what God's saying. You can't hurt my hand. You can't hurt... What, love, what I love, Justin, this is what I hear the Father saying to me. What I love, Justin, is when you swing with all your might. Yes. Swing over, swing, swing under, doesn't matter. But when you hit it, how much better do you and I feel? Yes. Yes. It's about that relationship. So, 1 Corinthians 8, because where, where God is taking us is into love. And I'm just going to touch on this and then we're going to have communion. In 1 Corinthians 8, this is concerning food offered to idols. And so he says in verse 1, concerning food offered to idols. By the way, food offered to idols is what? A rule. 
don't eat food offered to idols. That's a rule, isn't it? And so that's what the foundation of this conversation is. The Corinthian church wrote to Paul and said, so what are we supposed to do about the the food offered to idols in in town? Like, I can't even go to Sam's Butcher. I I don't know, like, this is food is offered to an idol. Should I eat it? Should I, you know, you know, like, what's the rule, Paul? Okay, that's, that's the foundation of this. He says, now, concerning the food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. But he says this, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, right, he does not yet know as he ought to know. That is a humbling verse, whether you're 12 or 80. But if anyone loves God, he's known by God. Amen? So what the whole thing is, is is this. All of us possess some level of knowledge, and especially about rules. All of us possess some level of knowledge about the rules that we would perceive through Scripture, the commandments of God, right? But if you only have truth comprehended, it will leave you and it will leave me to produce puffing up. So if truth that God gives me, even in His Word, is all I have done is comprehended it, it will leave me puffed up. That is the direct result of comprehension of truth. But, any truth that you have that now is no longer comprehension, it is conviction, produces love. When God puts truth in front of you and it becomes (coughs) your conviction, it changes your behavior and its its product is love. So truth comprehended is why the body of Christ argues why they're divided they've comprehended something and therefore that knowledge has puffed one up and puffed up another and puffed up another and then the lord said in james three seventeen, wisdom from above is willing to submit so even though you have comprehended this knowledge if you want to keep in, in standing with the lord then you would know in timothy he says don't give yourself to argument don't give yourself to vain babbling don't give yourself over to these things so guess what when somebody in the body of christ wants to argue with you Whether you know what they know or not, it doesn't matter because the conviction of truth should be, I can submit in this time and trust that the Lord will sort it out. And that is the response of Jesus. Jesus submitted to people who were fully knowledgeable of this book they had memorized. Some of the people that crucified Jesus on the cross memorized the entire Torah. It's not that they didn't have knowledge. They had so much knowledge. But what happened? Puffed them up. How much love did they have? None. They didn't want anybody to be healed on the Sabbath. They didn't want people to have food to eat. They didn't want people to... They didn't even want their parents to have their their stuff. Remember when Jesus said, you guys are breaking the, the law of God by calling your stuff Corbin, which means... All my things are dedicated to God. Sorry, Mom and Dad. I'm not going to give you any money, food, or help, or shelter. You're just on your own because my stuff's Corbin. That's what Jesus was saying. That's knowledge. That's what knowledge creates. It says, but love builds up. The love builds up. So, here's what Jesus, what I'm seeing today about this message is that Jesus' body needs building, just like any other body. If you guys ate only sugar... From today till next Sunday, your body would be breaking down. 
You would have physically, you'd be malnourishing your body, and your body would be starting to do things it shouldn't. Are you eating? Yes. But you're eating the wrong thing. Jesus' body is the same way. His body needs the nourishment. And, his, and the nourishment is, as, as like we need nourishment, love. The, the body of Christ is built on love. That's why he says it many times. Love builds up. You guys don't get strong from coming to a time of fellowship like this because you leave with comprehension. You get strong because you leave with conviction. And the conviction that you have in your heart is not conviction like you're doing something wrong. It's the conviction that what Jesus said is true and I'm going to believe it. That's the conviction I'm talking about. It's saying that this is the truth and what Jesus says and what access I have, I will act upon it because it's true. And that's why you're made strong. That's why we come in week by week and the worship gets stronger. And the power of God starts being displayed. And that's why people are still being healed and things are still taking place and tongues are still being... Because God is a God who continues to do the same thing. He's just looking for a people that will co-labor with Him in it. We're no different than the early church, guys. Our worship today was no different than the early church. Our, our preaching today is no different than the early church. We have the same Spirit. We have the same Father. We have the same Lord. His name is Christ. We have the same body. We're one with them. They're one with us. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're alive today, and we're one with them. We're one with King David. We're one with the Apostle Paul. We're one with Deborah. We're one with, with Anna from the temple. I can't wait to meet Anna, a woman who, 84 years old, was still fasting and praying day and night in the temple until she could see the Savior. And Simeon was able to take this Jesus Christ in his hands because the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would one day hold the Messiah. And his response was, Praise you, O God, for now I know you can gather me to my people, for I have seen the salvation of my God. How cool is that? That's the same God today in this barn and with us. Father, we just come to you in your name. Lord, we just praise you, and we, we know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, even the best message among any preacher is going to pale in comparison to what it could be if you sat here with us. But Lord, I know that your Holy Spirit is more than sufficient to take the words of Scripture and the words of my mouth and impart it into every one of our hearts and that you could cause all that was not to be heard and not to be understood to be just falling off by the wayside. So I just want to bless you in your ability to control all things, in your ability to grow us into the people we're supposed to be, to have a confident expectation in our dad, to know that our faith preaches loud to our circumstances, that no matter what we face, you're breaking through, Lord. You are breaking through. Not you're going to break through. You are breaking through. And that is the love of God that never ceases through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, be with us as we partake in Your communion. And uh, grant that we would discern Your body right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.